Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Oh, yeah! Welcome back to another episode of Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. I am your host, Viper, the man about tech executive producer of social media here at the IQ. And I want to start off with a quote from Benjamin Franklin. If you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. Let me repeat that for the people in the back. If you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. Now, why do I bring this up? Because at VidIQ, We talk a lot about growing your YouTube channel, building a business, building a following, impact, all of that stuff. But I know a lot of creators, especially newer creators that are starting out and listening to vidIQ or watching us on YouTube. You don't really plan because you don't really have a guideline for what you need to do to build a successful YouTube channel. We have talked to many of people on this podcast that have stated that you should treat your YouTube channel as a business if you want to succeed for the long term on YouTube. And today's guest is a digital marketer and social media strategist, Desiree Martinez. It's definitely somebody who planned out her YouTube channel as a business, and she's been very successful at it. So we're going to talk to her about some of the things that she has done on her channel and how she built her business here in a moment. But obviously with YouTube, some of us creators, the thing that happened that Roberto Blake has said time and time again is that some of us creators, we become accidental entrepreneurs <laughs> because we start off YouTube maybe doing it as a hobby or we just start off with the intention of growing, but we are not ready for the moment that it becomes an actual business. You know, that moment where you start to make consistent money on YouTube, it is now a business, but you should probably be treating it as a business from day one. So when the money starts coming in, you know what to do and you're not scrambling around figuring out how to handle things like taxes and figuring out where your different revenue sources are coming from and different things like that. So as Benjamin said, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Hopefully you all have taken something from the vidIQ YouTube channel or the vidIQ podcast here that helps you plan your channel and your journey as a business. So you are not failing to plan. You are planning for success and you will go out and ultimately achieve that success along your journey because that's why we are here. We are here to help you and see you all win. We want y'all to win. That's why we do what we do because we are here for creators. We are success. We're creators and your success. So with that said, I wish you all nothing but the best. I appreciate all of y'all listening to the podcast. But before I bring it, Desiree, I got to shout out my man, Tim from Wales. Tim from Wales was talking about Casey Neistat and his thumbnails about how he's wearing the same blue jacket in the last few of his thumbnails. And he's talking about how Casey's like starting some brand with the blue jacket. I don't know. But again, that's probably planned by Casey Neistat because we all know that he is a successful creator and businessman. And of course, he doesn't do much without planning. So the blue jacket is probably by design in those last few thumbnails of Casey Neistat because he understands that you got a plan to succeed. So Tim from Wells, appreciate that shout out on Twitter. Always appreciate you listening to the podcast. So thank you. With that said, let's go ahead and bring in Miss Desiree Martinez and let's roll to the podcast. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. And this week's very special guest is a digital marketer, a.k.a. social media strategist. Let us bring in Miss Desiree Martinez to the show. Hey, Desiree, how you doing? What up? 
How you doing? I got to match your energy, you know? Oh, I love it. I love it. I know how busy you are. So thank you, Desiree, for making the time. I appreciate you. I am so excited to be here and talk about all of the things. All of the things. Yes, let's talk about all of the things. So I know you've been on the podcast before, but for those people that are listening for the first time and just now knowing who you are, let us know who you are, what you do, and how long you've been on YouTube. Sure. So my YouTube channel focuses on helping businesses grow with better social media and content marketing. And I use YouTube as a lead source to my marketing agency, also called All in One Social Media. And I've been doing this for five years. Five years. Okay. Yep. So my affiliation though with vidIQ is for like my heart project, which is the women of video, which focuses on helping women creators build economic impact and equality through education, resources, and community. We do a podcast every week, just like this one, where we interview women creators about their journey, how they're doing it, what they're making, how they're struggling, how they're finding victories, how they're making money. And then, of course, advice to help you on your journey. That is pretty cool. And I remember, I think it was last year, uh, we actually had a live recording of the Women of Video podcast on our VidIQ YouTube channel. So go check that out if you guys have not checked that out yet. So I want to back up a little bit. Obviously, you do digital marketing and you do social media strategy and things like that. But what brought you to YouTube originally? Like, why come to YouTube? So it's kind of probably unconventional. I've been a social media marketer since 2009. And I started my agency in 2015 because the military spouse community that I was a part of, like the town that we service, serviced us, has helped us support us, all that, did not like to hire military spouses. And I remember my mom having this exact same struggle when I was a kid, as a Marine Corps kid, Air Force wife. I was like, how is it that after 25 years, like military spouses still struggle with employment? And so I was like, well, I can fix this. I can help in my way. And so I started an agency that focuses on helping military spouses work anywhere they're stationed around the world while offering package-based services to small businesses. And so it was really important to me that not only that I could help military spouses make money and supplement their family income, but with the company understood their life, like their struggles, the things that they go through, the things that make up military life, like being able to talk their language our abbreviations, our code, all of that kind of stuff that happens. Well, because of military life, my husband came home one day and was like, hey, we're moving to South Korea. And I was like, cool. Also, how am I supposed to keep doing this agency if I can't like talk to people easily right. in this time zone? Because it's like a 17-hour time difference between Ooh. the West Coast and South Korea. And I was like, all right, let's figure this out. And so I found this really fantastic book. And I really feel that it's still relevant to this day. And it's called Vlog Like a Boss by Amy Schmittauer-Landino. And it's like this amazing roadmap that talks about how you can use YouTube as a way to build authority and build leads for your business. And I was like, well, this is my roadmap. Like, this is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to get onto YouTube and I'm going to teach people about social media so that they become overwhelmed by how much work that it is. And then in turn, they just want to come let me and my team do it for them. And I had a super rocky journey. I started August of 2017. It was a very interesting path. Like, like what I did, what I taught, I have a whole like slew of super bad videos where like I'm over makeup, I'm over sweating. I'm my camera's all weird. My audio is all funky. But like, you know, I did it. I showed up. I made the 100 bad videos, right? Isn't that like the, the thing you're supposed to do? And I got better and I solved problems and I kept showing up. And so now, five years later, YouTube is my number one lead source for my agency. And it is probably my second largest revenue stream, not from ads, of course, but for me as an individual. And I love it. You said that YouTube is your second largest revenue stream, but you made an impetus to say not from ads. So let's get into that a little bit. Okay. If you're not making the bulk of your moolah from ads, Desiree, where is it coming from then? I actually, like so many, have multiple streams of income. So the first one, which is my biggest one, is the one that 
is why the channel exists. It's for my agency. So our agency does really well with revenue because we focus on content creation and curation for companies. So we work with them to help make sure that they're having success, making sure that they have a presence, making sure that their bottom lines and their objectives are met. And then you know, I'm able to build them. We do monthly retainers for our customers. For me, it all seems like pretty standard operating procedures because I've been doing it for so long. But I know that like so many people out there are like, how, why? And like, I am totally down to have that conversation if we need to dive into that, like how I built an agency off the back of YouTube. But as far as like the other streams of income, I make money off of sponsorships. I have really great partners for the YouTube channel, Adobe, StreamYard, to name a couple. I do make money off of ads and it's not great, especially right now because ads are on a financial journey because of the economy. And that's mm -hmm. why you should never let it be your mainstream of income. I also do pretty okay when it comes to affiliates. And then I also, because of my YouTube channel, it qualified me for the Amazon influencer program. And so I do a lot with the Amazon video influencer program. To me, it's just like stupid, easy money. Like I'm like, if, you, if we're YouTubers, we understand how a camera works better than anybody. And so we can do it in like a much more simplified version than YouTube and you can make really solid money off of it. Just there's a few things that I do. <laughs> that is pretty cool. So I want to talk about some recent changes that YouTube has undergone as a platform. So we know Desiree, over the past two years, YouTube has really been leaning into short form content via YouTube short to kind of yep. keep up with the TikTok to the world, the Instagram reels, the Facebook and things like that. But I don't know. I just feel like as it relates to short form content for people like yourself, I just, I kind of feel like it makes it a little bit harder for you to like build businesses off of short form content, but talk about how you have worked with the short form content revolution here because Obviously, we're talking about videos that are less than one minute, and it's kind of hard to drive an ad in less than a minute or sometimes, or at least I feel like in the way that we normally do content. But obviously, you've been working with this for a couple of years now. So how have you been doing with it? I use shorts to supplement my long-form content. So shorts is a great way to get people into your stratosphere and into your algorithm. You, they can subscribe, right, for sure, from the short shelf. But then you also can like build authority and establish expertise in these short, like biteable pieces of information. I also like taking my long form videos and turning them into short form videos by like repurposing them. So it's kind of like where you take like a powerful clip or a statement or some piece from your video and you turn it into a short. Now you can do it super basic. You could literally clip it from your own shorts shelf, right? Like you could just go into the video, hit you know, clip and then make it. Or you could get a little fancy and you could like have it transcribed. You can use a tool like Descript for that. And then you get like a little animated bubble where like the colors change. Or if you want to go next, next level with it, you can then kind of do what you would like your general YouTube videos where you can edit them out. So you could do lots of different things like adding in B-roll. You could do the split screen where it's like you talking at top and then like having like a whole situation happening below. So like one of the creators I really love that's doing this is his name is Paul. He's the Sonic guy. Like that's how the vast majority of people, like he's very big, like in our video conference circuit. Um, he's a really great guy. He used to own like 54 Sonic franchises. And he loves video. He sold it. And so now what he talks about on YouTube is about like how to have success with a franchise, like how to get into a food franchise. And it's very informational. He does these really cool like split screen ones from like a vertical video standpoint where you're creating original TikToks. Colin and Samir, I think, do a great job because they do a lot of the loop. The loop is really smart how they do it. They have the text on screen for what they're talking about. They have really good B-roll and visual interest. And they plan out very strategically what to say. Like there's just a lot of opportunities within shorts to grab people's attention and get people interested in clicking on your profile picture to go see your other content. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Colin and Shamir because I remember uh, 
when I was at the YouTube press event about a month ago, when they first introduced the new pathway to monetization for short creators, Colin and Samir were on site as well. And they were talking about how they have used short to steer people into their long form content. So oh, yeah. the fact that YouTube created that bridge and the fact that creators are now using short to try to steer people toward their long form content, as you alluded to, pretty major. Yeah, like Colin and Samir, I think what's great about them is they're kind of like, I think, building the establishing content for our industry. Like they're really great tests of like what is or isn't working. And they also tap into trends like their top performing video on their channel. Actually, when you go look at their channel, their top like 10 performing videos, nine of them are shorts. And it's talking about like things like from a fame hacking perspective, like they have the squid game effect, how Carl got a job at Mr. Beast what you miss on Mr. B Squid Games. Like, so they are really tapping into this idea of like leaning into their industry, which is creators and the most famous people in it, like with, with Mr. Beast and being able to create original content though around them to educate their audience so they can know more about something that they're interested in. So in the case of whatever it is that you're doing, so if you are like a gaming channel and you're like really into like Minecraft, like you can lean into Minecraft news, Minecraft like little tips or little things to entertain people like, you know, watch me tame this puppy in 30 seconds, like doing little things that people are interested in. We're basically using shorts to give positive dopamine hits to people so that whenever they think of us, they have positive associations. And it just really just like creates this loop of you being in front of them through your existing content, whether it's shorts or horizontal long form video, and then being able to keep them interested through the other things that you use, like your shorts, get them hooked. Your long-form video keeps them watching and gets them into your own personal funnel for your business. Yeah, whenever you have that that marriage between your short-form and your long-form content, you have a chance to have a lot of success with that, yeah. especially given that these platforms are leaning more into short-form content in today's day and age. And talking about that, Desiree, obviously being the business-minded person that you are, we have a few platforms I alluded to earlier that are embracing short. There is TikTok, there is YouTube, and when they're short, and then you got Instagram Reels. So, Coming from a business-minded person, which platform would you say is the best to build a business off their short-form content? YouTube. Easy. Like, it's always going to be YouTube. I know TikTok wants to be YouTube. And they're doing things. Like, you can start to see the stealing. Like, you can see the little things that they're doing. Like, they created their own, like, be real feature with, like, where you're at and a picture of you at the same time. They've launched their creator fund adjustment where it's revenue sharing. Rather than like, here's this small 8% sort of a situation because YouTube talked about what they're doing. And I'm pretty sure TikTok was like, freak, we need to figure out like what to do. And we gotta, we gotta compete. Damn you, YouTube for changing the model, right? <laughs> yep. But the thing is, is TikTok is just for vertical, like short form videos and lives. I will give it TikTok lives are like a whole thing. I was just at Adobe Max last week. I met some people that are like, oh, I go live on TikTok for three hours and I make like, 10 grand. I'm like, what the hell? Right. You know, so it's just one of those things, like if they're building a relationship and stuff, but you can do that on YouTube too. Like you can go live on YouTube. You can do shorts on YouTube and you can do long form vertical video on YouTube as well. The difference and the biggest difference is, and this is maybe like my old, my old lady talking is that you can utilize search. And I know that people don't like to talk about search because it's not sexy and it's like, oh, SEO and people are like, oh yeah. Like, way to go, grandma. Like, I'm like, no, seriously, though, like, there's a lot to be said for how search can help you benefit your channel. I have talked to people at YouTube and they're like, if you're growing, the best way to do that is through search content. So, like, you know, digging into the right keyword that you want to be found for. And even if it is like Mr. Beast or something like that, like, if you want to dig into something and be known for something, 
having the right keyword association and search association is going to allow for you to do that. And you can use search on Google for your shorts. I'm going to say that again. You can use search on Google for your shorts. All right. You just had Austin from Socialty Pro on the podcast. And he talks about so many great things about how he used shorts to grow from like nothing to like 400,000 subscribers after like 30 days. And, you know, he's actually on his way. I mean, when we're recording this, he's on this way, this conference in Dallas called the State of Search. And he's going to talk about how you use like search in your vertical videos to get found. And part of it is what you can do is you can use Google and title your videos to be found in search. And I do this. I have a couple top performing vertical videos that are YouTube shorts and you look at my traffic source and it's Google search and it's fine. And it's, it's thank you for the traffic. Thank you for the subscribers. Thank you for the new leads on my email list. Like that's just how, that's just smart in my opinion. Yeah. Even when I'm doing just general Google searches, sometimes when I'm doing searches on Google, the first thing I see is video from YouTube. So, and whether that be your long form or short form vertical videos or whatever, Videos are starting to become more populated in search terms and search queries, I should say. So this thing is real. It's oh my real. gosh. It's been that way for a long time. It's mm-hmm. just like people are just now like picking up. I, so I speak about this. I do a master class about like using YouTube to get leads for your business. And I teach people like about search and why it's important and how it works. And literally we've got slides from like 2021 that still are relevant. Like you type in a keyword and the top thing is an ad. The next thing is the top performing blog. And then underneath there are three videos related to your search that show up first. And then underneath is all the blogs and stuff. Like that's just how it works now. And if you want to like really, really game the system, you put a thumbnail on your short so that when people click it on Google search, they're like, oh, I didn't know this is a short video. It doesn't look like a regular video. I was going to learn something. Right. So it's just, there's so many layers, so many layers, friends. So many avenues <laughs> to this stuff. Absolutely. There are. There's not just one way to do so. No, I never. And like, I think it's unrealistic for you to be like, okay, hey guys, everybody that's out there, every channel, no matter what you do, this is what you got to do. I think it's really a matter of like really having the conversation about like, okay, what can I do? What can I test? What are the people in my industry doing? Like, and how are they having success? And like, are they also attaching a business strategy to it? I have gone on the live streams, the podcast, and we've done stuff together extensively with myself and VidIQ. And so many people are not business first creators. And I know that a lot of people would come at me with that. But I'm like, look, if you want to do this, if you want to be successful, you have to think of this like a business. Like, it's just how it works. Like it's a, it's your job. Like, and you have to take your job seriously. You have to spend time getting better. You have to spend time practicing. You have to figure out how can I do better than the guy next to me? How can I be the thought leader? Oh, that person's doing this. What can I do to piggyback off of like what they're doing? So then I can then like fame hack it or, or success hack it and that kind of thing. But tapping into the competitors, like what tools do I use? This is why that IQ is so huge. You know, from whether it's the long form tool or the app for the TikTok videos, like this is your job. And part of your job is a payout. If you are not trying to get paid, you might as well just have a hobby. Like that's what it is. If you are not getting paid, this is a hobby. Which do you want? A hobby or an income? We talk about that a lot as far as people and how they approach YouTube. Like you said, if you don't have a plan and you're not interested in growing your channel, then it really is a hobby. But I think a lot of people that are come to VidIQ for advice about growing, they want to build their channels up as a business and they want to grow. So I assume anyway, working for VidIQ, that you want to grow your YouTube channel into a business. So I think most of the people that listen to this podcast are interested in growing for business and hopefully something is settled done in this podcast that gives you better insight on how to do that. So that is pretty cool. 
This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's competitors tool. Checking in on what your competition is doing can be a great way to keep up with trends in your area of expertise. If you have vidIQ installed, you can find this tool on the left-hand sidebar within the YouTube studio, and from there you can begin adding channels as your competitors. I like to select a range of channels, from the ones that I find to be the leading voices in my niche, all the way down to channels that get similar views to my own. The way that this helps me personally is that I can start to actually detect patterns in the types of videos that my competitors are releasing, which helps me discover some fresh ideas that are already proven to be working. The vidIQ extension works in both Chrome and Firefox browsers, and you can download it for free at vidIQ.com. So, I want to kind of pivot into something I know that is near and dear to your heart. Uh-huh. I'm ready. <laughs> I know, I, I think it's universally understood that YouTube is mostly a male-dominated platform. Yes. Yeah. But there are females on the platform and they are doing big things. I'm talking to one right now who's been very successful on the platform. So I want to talk to you and ask you and get your insights about how you've been successful as a woman on a male dominated platform. I think that it's really just a matter of like how I find success is just to keep showing up. I keep creating and I keep remembering what my objectives are. When I've tried to play like the boys, I have not had success. And and I have a study for this. So I moved a lot before we moved to Michigan where after my husband got out of the Air Force and stuff. And so my set always changed. And so every time I'd have a new set, a new place to live, it was like an opportunity to like upgrade my set or make it look different. Well, one of the things that I was noticing from all these creators I was watching is they had this like moody, broody look to it. It was where it's like they're lit really well and the background's dark and there's lights in the back like highlighting different things. And they're always like purple and blue and like darkish kind of. And I was like, okay, cool. Okay, so this is obviously the style right now. I'm going to tap into it. And I did it and I was doing it for months. And I was like, why do my views seem to be down? Like, what is that? That's I adjusted my titles. I adjusted my content. And I was like, and I remember someone commented that like, where'd the white background go? The, the white, I had a white brick background. This is what I used like my, like my look. And I was like, huh? So I started spending time looking at like other female creators content. And I noticed a very stark difference. Male creators can be dark and broody and also the cinegraphic, whatever. I I can't say the word right now, but they can have that look. But women creators, it's all about like white and bright, airy spaces with like maybe a plant in the background or a white wall that maybe even if it's darker. And it was this whole thing. I was like, that's so fascinating to me. So these content creators who were doing huge things at the time, like Katha Manning, Annie Dubay, just the Costanzeri. It's all this white background. And I was like, huh. So when I switched back to have a brighter background, I saw an increase in my views. And I was like, this is so funny to me that like, not only is it, it's not just about competing. It's the psychology of what people expect to see from a woman on the platform. And I was just like completely blown away. Like women, when you think about some of the things that women are like subconsciously required to do, it's very interesting. Like you have to have different clothes on all the time. Men show up in the same t-shirt every single day and get a hundred thousand subscribers in five days. Right? A woman has to change her outfit. Otherwise it sounds like, well, you wore that in your last video. Like it's, a, it's dumb, but we have to wear makeup. We have to do our hair. We have to have apparently like white, airy, aesthetically pleasing environments for our videos. And it's just these, these little things that happen that so many people, but when you talk about it, like, like that's just like a subconscious view thing. Then you get into things of like dealing with like comments and trolls. And so many of the women creators are like, yeah, we all have, like we talk about it on the podcast. At least we did. I just kind of stopped because everyone said the same thing. Yep. I have trolls. People suck. Just adjust your spam filter words so they can't say things to you. And then of course, always 
make different versions of the same word so that they can't keep using them. You know, and then of course, block reports stop. But then we also like in the podcast, like we've dealt with some women who have like, I reported somebody to the police. The police could do nothing about it. And so I had to hire, I had to like have one of my friends who understands like IP tracking and like did some like black market underground stuff to get me their address so that we could send them a cease and desist from our lawyer because there was nothing legally I could do to protect myself and her sister because it was their channel together. Oh, we had another woman who's like, I had one of my team members delete my YouTube channel of over a hundred thousand subscribers because she got mad at me and I hadn't like removed her quickly enough because I she never occurred to her that kind of stuff would happen. And so these are the kind of like crazy things that women have had to experience. I've talked to men about security. Like, I don't have to worry about it. Like, yeah, I get trolls and people that tell me I look good or maybe say something a little like too much. For the most part, they're like, I don't have to deal with that. And then you just get into like what it means to actually be a woman, like from like a physical and chemical place. Societally, like we're obviously, obviously in this really great movement where it's like, you know, there's the whole like Victoria's Secret backlash situation and we're not photoshopping bodies anymore and, and all these like image body expectations, which is really great. I'm really excited for that world my daughter is going to grow up in. But at the same time, though, besides those expectations of like wearing makeup, changing your clothes, looking presentable on camera, there's also something to be said for like we have to mentally prepare ourselves to get up and hide because we've been beat down so much and told that we're not worth it enough or no one's going to care about what we have to say. And it's all this like negative self-talk that came from somewhere. You know, I grew up in a world, my dad doesn't understand because my dad's old school. My dad told me my whole life, sit down and look pretty. Like, and if you know me, I am like the loudest person with the biggest opinions that there is. And so it's like, like to stifle someone like that is really frustrating. And, but that's the stuff that we have to fight through and we have to deal through. And there's also just like the chemical nature of being a woman. Like being a woman means you can have children and having children completely messes up your brain. And it's like, and for all of the right, like animalistic reasons, like don't kill my baby, don't eat them, like that kind of stuff. But like, we want to, that's, that's from like an animal perspective. I see your face, like what? Like sort of that idea, like women are reprogrammed to fully invest in the safety and protection of their children. Keep them safe. If anything happened to them, don't let the dad, animal, lions eat the young, like that whole situation. But we go through this insane chemical change that just rewires how we think and we lose who we were in our identity and we go through this battle of it. And some of us get therapy, some of us don't. So there's postpartum depression. There's all these conversations to have around it. And we have them on the podcast for sure. And I don't want to like dive into that too much because I know it might be a little TMI for some of you guys listening, but it doesn't change the fact that that's a big change. So while men, whether they're dads or not, they get to prioritize and focus. I'm going to make videos. This is what I'm going to do. It's all I care about. I'm going to head down, focus, and take it. Nothing's going to distract me. Well, women, it's like, well, I have to take care of this baby. I have to make sure everything's taken care of. I have to make sure that there's food in the house that they can eat. I have to make sure they have childcare. I have to put them somewhere for the 45 minutes that I need to record a video. But then I also know they'll come bother me and, and bug me or need me or something can happen. And that doesn't tend to happen with men. So I've, I've talked to them about it. I get asked by at least one person every single time I speak on stage, who's watching your children? And I'm like, their dad. And they're, and then it'll either be like, oh, that's so nice of him. I'm like, well, he helped make them. Like, this isn't, he's not babysitting. Like, he's parenting. And then, like, even small things will happen. Like, people in my town ask me, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a content creator and I'm a YouTuber. Like, oh, well, what does your husband do? I'm like, well, my husband's a stay-at-home dad. And they're like, what? You can make a living on YouTube by yourself? Like, yeah, yes, I can. 
you know, so there's just, no one does this. <laughs> and it's just because, you know, I have dadpreneur envy hard because I don't have to, they don't have to stop having a conversation with somebody to go sing goodnight songs to their children in the middle of a networking event. Yeah. You know, I do because that's the mom I am, it's the person I choose to be. And so when you're talking about creating on YouTube, you're talking about a platform that is already super bro-tastic and super bro-toxic from time. And you can see in events that we go to, like at VidCon, if you go to Vid Summit, you know, Marketing World, all great shows. I've been to all of them. I've gotten so much done. I met some amazing customers, clients, fans, all that stuff, but still run by white men and still brings in a, uh, an environment of predominantly male creators that are there further fueling this whole like male dominated toxic environment to the point where the women that are at this conference are like, what am I doing here? Like, these are not my people. And I have to like be this different macho version of myself in order to stand in that room with them. And then from a data perspective, women make up 12%, if not less than top trending videos on YouTube. 12%. Yeah. And when it comes to earnings, when you look at the top 30 creators back from 2021 from YouTube creators, four were women and two of those four women were children. Wow. So there's a giant reach discrepancy. There's a giant financial discrepancy between women and men. And I'm sure even people of color on the platform. There was a study that was recently came out that talks about how women make 59 cents for every dollar a man makes in the creator economy. And so it's kind of one of those things is like, why? And more importantly, what can we do to help change this? So I just want to go back real quick because all the things that you were talking about as it relates to women and things they have to deal with came from the aspect of women being mothers. But not every woman's a mother, though. No, they're not. That's why I said when you talk about being a creator, there's that all the other things that you have to go into it, like the imposter syndrome, the hyping yourself up, having the beat down all of the negative comments and the self-talk that happens before it. And then there's also the limiting conversations happen like, well, you can't do that. You're a girl. All right. Why do you think you could do that? You're a girl. Or the fact, again, 59 cents on the dollar, she's got to work twice as hard to make almost as much money as a man. You know, so twice as hard. If she was twice as hard, she'd make a dollar and 18 where a man would make $2 if you were talking about twice. Right. So it's just one of those things is just incredibly frustrating when it comes to being a female creator on the platform. I also think that the women that are solo creators or they have like some friends that they live with and they create with or whatever, like they're doing a great job, but they'll even talk about it. Like I am very uncomfortable asking for money. I always feel like I'm underpricing myself. I hate the fact that like I asked for this money and then people kind of ummed well, like, well, okay, okay, I'll, I'll people please know me through this. Now there's a saying that's out there right now that's you want to act with the confidence of a white man, right? How do I own that room in that same kind of way? Ask for what I want and, and expect my worth without stepping down. And then usually the perception that comes with it, though, is like, well, that poor woman's bitchy. That woman's aggressive. But a man does it, and it's, that's, those are not the words used to describe them. I'm, I'm really speaking from experience. I'm bringing these stories and sayings because you can go listen to any 150-whatever episodes of women of YouTube podcast and find all these women saying these things. Yeah, it's interesting that we're having a conversation about women and how they're not being treated the uh, same as their male counterparts. Because I was just having a conversation with a female creator recently about how much she charges for a dedicated sponsored video. And she told me the price. I'm like, given your following count and your authority in the niche, you need to triple that. I don't know what's going on, but that needs to be triple what you're charging down. So she was like, what? I'm like, yes, triple that. You should not accept anything less than triple this amount because it's insane how much you're helping out these companies. What are you doing? Undervaluing ourselves constantly. 
it's okay to say no. It's okay to walk away from money because that opens you up to a better yes and a better opportunity. Right. Don't settle. Like, I don't know why we do. <laughs> and I, I think a lot of it just comes off. I don't settle. I know what I'm worth and I ask for what. It's hard. It took me a minute to get there. And it took the first person saying yes to my dollar amount to be like, okay, I can do this. And then that's just the new standard going forward. And you just have to build up that confidence and understand your time has value. Your expertise has value. Your tools have value. We live in the world of UGC right now. Like brands cannot have success without us now. So own your worth. And this is great advice to you guys too. Like own your worth and know what you can do and what you give value to. Just make sure you have the right business in place to handle it, to do it, to document it, to track it, pay your taxes, all those kinds of little details that are necessary. Absolutely. So this conversation actually provides a beautiful segue into what I want to talk to you about next. And that is your Women of Video Conference that is coming up next year. Yes. So talk to us about how that came about and what you hope to accomplish with this. So funny because we're having this conversation. I'm getting all these like LinkedIn alerts. So people are like, congratulations on your three-year anniversary of the Women of Video. I'm like, oh my gosh, it actually has been that long. I launched the Women of Video at Vib Summit in 2019. So I had worked with a different company in the past because I really wanted to share women to marketers, actually, like how marketers can work with women creators so they can make more money and stuff. And it had been a really successful live stream. People kept asking for more. And I'm like, I don't have the capacity to handle a YouTube channel. I could do a podcast because it's not quite as laborsome and I can have much more fluid, long conversations. So I launched it at VidSummit and it went over really well. But the thing that happened is that when I was at VidSummit, it was just like the women that were there, there were not a lot. And they, we flocked to each other because women find other women because we're very tribe driven. And we're like, where are all of the women? And we're like, this is kind of it. And I was like, why is this happening? And they're like, it would be so great if there was an event for women creators. That way we could like tap into our specific needs and our specific mindsets, and our specific wants and desires and, and learn from each other rather than from all these guys who just don't understand our life. And that's what it comes down to. Like men and women have different needs, different requirements, different everything. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why we have specific niche groups for a reason. And so I was all ready to go for it. And then COVID happened. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want to do this online. So I'm going to wait until the right time. And then, you know, the middle of 2022 hit and I was like, it's time. Like, it's time to make this happen. There's still nothing out there for this. The video conferences are still the same bro led companies and that are doing their own thing, but not talking to us. They're not taking the time that it takes to find women creators that they would want, as well as women and, and individuals of color that they would want to allow for their conferences to have success and diversity. And I was like, I'm done. So I've been digging into doing the Women in Video Conference and we're doing this March 3rd, 4th and 5th in Atlanta, which is a very big creator hub, not only for like YouTube and TikTok, but also for like film and music. And so especially like with Tyler Perry Studios being down there, all that kind of stuff. So we decided to do it there. And we're tackling the two main needs that women have around conferences, cost, childcare. So by doing it in Atlanta, it is an international hub. So it's more affordable to fly in there. There's a train that takes you from the airport to the conference center. And then we're including all of your food in the ticket price because I hate when I go to these conferences, and they're not feeding me. And like, it's usually really expensive to tip it. Like the Vid Summit tickets, like two grand, there's no food. And you're at a hotel that's near an airport. So it's like a food desert. And the bar is always so packed because everyone's trying to get food. So like you're grub hubbing yourself some meat of some food. It's overpriced because you have to pay LA fees. It's a whole thing, right? 
So like, no, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, we got you covered. And just going to get a powerhouse of information that includes niche growth, platform growth, and money growth. Like we are digging into really specific things everyone needs, like how to effectively have sponsorships, how to effectively have merch, how to effectively create digital products, how to, you know, grow on Facebook video, how to grow with Instagram video, how to grow with YouTube, like very specific niches. And we're not repeating topics. There's not going to be like 10 topics about 10 ways to make money as a creator. And then we're also tackling with childcare. Children are welcome to come to the conference. It's like you can't come unless your kid comes. We want your kid to come. We are going to set them up with like things to do and crayons and coloring and all kinds of fun stuff. And we're also going to have care.com available for you if you're staying at the hotel to watch your kids for you. It's included in your ticket. So we're just trying really hard to cater to the needs of women while also giving them really strategic, specific information to help them with their growth. And we have this offered in person and also as a virtual ticket as well. And before you ask, you're like, well, Desiree, this is great for women, but I'm a dude. Men, allies of women are welcome to come to this conference, right? We need your voices too. We need you guys to be like, yeah, women do this this way and it's great and it's what we can learn from them and we want to uplift you and we want to support you so please get a ticket come to and learn as well and then meet some really awesome women creators along the way that's pretty awesome and it's interesting that you were going out of your way to make sure that the women with kids can come and bring their kids as well there are a lot of younger kids that listen to this very podcast so uh they might actually be in on some of the actual talk there doesn't really don't tell the kids short these kids are interested man they are out here Kids, come, bring your mom, bring your dad, tell them to come, yeah. understand what you want to do with your life. Think of this as like a college tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so much good information out there. And I'm pretty sure I've seen some of the, the uh, speakers that you have coming up to the conference. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a nice conference out there. Should be some good information. And yeah, all are invited. So check that out for sure. Yes, I hope that we see all of you there, whether it's in person or online, please come. It's going to be great. Absolutely. Desiree Martinez, it's been a pleasure talking to you as always. I uh, appreciate you making the time today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, remember, womenofvideo.com. Absolutely, womenofvideo.com. Uh, for all her information about her YouTube and her uh, Women of Video conference, all of that information will be in the show notes. So go down there, check her out. She's legit. I appreciate you guys listening to another episode of Tube Talk. We will be back next week with another episode of Tube Talk presented by VidIQ. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk, brought to you by vidIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com slash Tube Talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.